We stay together, we survive. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Stick together. In the name of unit cohesion. Cohesion. You are listening to the Cohesion Podcast. Actionable tips from internal comms leaders on how to improve your company's employee experience. This episode features an interview with Mary Poppin, Chief Strategy and Customer Officer at Involve.ai. With over two decades of experience in customer success, executive leadership, and business consulting, Mary is dedicated to advancing the next generation of CX leaders. In this episode, Amanda sits down with Mary to discuss how a great customer experience can lead to happy employees and how to measure employee and customer satisfaction. Before we dive into the interview, here's a brief word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Simpler, the modern intranet software that simplifies the employee experience. If you are looking to increase employee engagement, collaboration, and connectivity, Simpler is your answer. Learn more at Simpler.com. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation between Mary Poppin, Chief Strategy and Customer Officer at Involve.ai, and your host, Amanda Berry, Corporate Brand and Communications Manager at Simpler. Mary, how are you today? I am doing great, Amanda. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks for asking. Thank you for joining me today. It's really great to meet you and chat with you. I want to first start off understanding your background. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got to be Chief Strategy and Customer Officer at Involve.ai? I have spent pretty much all of my career in customer delivery and working on improving the customer experience. And so over time, I've been looking for ways to leverage technology to really create a differentiating experience for customers and enter Involve.ai, which is focused on customer intelligence and providing voice of customer and customer sentiment and behavior across the entire organization. So now you can align priorities across sales, customer success, support, marketing, and everyone can use the same customer intelligence to be able to align across the company, which is a really exciting place to be for the customer because it means we can now truly put the customer at the center. Help us understand what your background is in. Where did you start in your career? Yeah, I actually got a master's degree in industrial organizational psychology when I got out of grad school, I was going to change the world through consulting, which was really fun, focused on organizational effectiveness, process improvement, but realized fairly quickly that as a consultant, you can make recommendations that weren't, (laughs) they weren't necessarily going to be followed, right? Plus, you didn't always get to stick around and see the outcome. And so I decided to take my consulting internally and went into a software company. It was an HRAS software company. And my first priority was to redo the talent management and leadership development within the organization. And that's when I got introduced to a new type of software, software as a service. So SuccessFactors had just launched the performance and talent management SaaS solution. I implemented that at my current organization, and it was game-changing. We went from 30% completion of employee appraisals to 98% with the very 
first launch um, of that solution. And it was really eye-opening because it was an opportunity to put the employee at the center of a process that used to be HR and manager-driven. And so that was kind of my first taste of SaaS, joint success factors. And from that point forward, just focused on customer experience and improving customer delivery across all of uh, software as a service. I'm going to move into our first segment. Mary, it's called Story Time. Welcome to Story Time. Story Time. Story time. Let me tell you a story. I want to first ask just about your name. I feel like people are going to see your name and it's going to hearken some good, positive, strong feelings for a lot of us who watched, who know of, know of the character Mary Poppins. Do you have any stories about that? People yeah. calling you Mary Poppins or, or where does that come from? Oh my gosh, I have so many stories. It is a married name. I, I like to say I met Prince Charming and became Mary Poppins. We did not get one umbrella for a wedding gift, which was surprising. Even friends of ours still spell my name wrong. So they still, it's P-O-P-P-E-N, but we get the I-N-S. And when family does it, it's kind of funny because you think (laughs) they would know better. It's been really fun to have a name that people remember, right? Because, and hopefully with a positive connotation for the most part. Probably the most interesting story, I was at the airport And they paged me to come to the desk where the agent was. And everybody looked around and thought it was some sort of code uh, for something. But yeah, so it's been fun. That's pretty funny. When you were getting married, did you have that moment? You were like, my name's going to be Mary Poppin. I did. Actually, when I met, (laughs) who is now my husband, we met through friends and I didn't know his last name. And once I asked my friend, what's Jim's last name? She said, Poppin. And then she looked at me and I looked at her and just dawned on both of us right at that moment that I could become Mary Poppin. Well, thank you for sharing that. (laughs) There you are. When I ran across your name, I found myself humming, spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. (laughs) I was like, she's got to be on the show. (laughs) I know. There's so many jokes, right? Especially being in like customer work. I've gotten, oh, just bring your spoonful of sugar and wave your magic wand or bring your big carpet bag and all the tools we need to be successful. <laughs> yeah. Well, the good news is I feel like people, like I said, when they see your name, it's really strong, positive feelings. For those of you listeners that want to connect and you've got a g- really good you know, joke, I am all ears. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Opening for that. I'm going to think of some. I'm really good with puns. So my pun game is pretty strong. I know you're pretty vocal about the customer success influences on the employee experience. I want to get into that. But talk about when you had that realization that employee experience has a direct link to customer satisfaction. I think early in my career, I realized that our happy customers, our most happy customers, had a really strong relationship with and employee or employees in our organization. And whether it was sales, services, exec relationships didn't really matter. They just had a strong bond. And the least happy customers were those that really saw us as a vendor. By the way, you'll get to know me. Those of you listening that do know me know I hate the V word because it's a very transactional, tactical type of, I won't even say relationship. If you can be called a partner, strategic advisor, that's much better. But I realized that those customers who were unhappy were the ones that saw us as a vendor, just a transactional reactionary solution. So that's what struck me as a differentiator where relationships and therefore engaged and happy employees really do make a difference in building a connection and providing value to customers. 
So when you have happy, engaged employees and happy, engaged customers, there's this crazy, contagious enthusiasm that exists. And then the company benefits because what results is growth, expansion of customers, and just referenceability. Talent out there wants to work for your company. So it's just a lot of goodness that I call the all-in zone. The all-in zone, I like that. I feel like some of this might be rooted in your HR sort of backgrounds. Do you feel like that had a big influence on, on you coming to this realization? It's really interesting because you're right. I've spent the majority of my career in HR tech focused on customer experience. I I do think I've always gravitated toward people first mission and the outcomes that come from programs that are put in place for employees and then seeing the impact that that has on customers and the customer experience. I think for me throughout my career that it's just been there. There's been this realization that I happen to pay attention to and get excited about. And so I've been able to kind of think about the linkage and the drivers and the measures that occur between employee experience and customer experience. And there is a lot of overlap. So programs that you put in place for employees, you could think of the same for the customer. I mean, a great example is voice of customer and voice of employee programs. The outcome of both of those is really to be able to leverage the insight and the feedback to improve your organization. And so the parallels between those programs and several others are pretty prominent. I'm going to move us into our next segment, getting tactical. I'm trying to figure out tactics. And to be perfectly honest, I didn't have to worry about tactics too much. Here I am in charge and trying to say, why did you sleep through tactics? Tactics. I want to keep digging into this because I think this is such an interesting idea. I mean, we're hearing so much about employee experience. We want to keep good employees, a great reshuffle, a great resignation, right? It's for the sake of employees, right? Retaining good talent, which is to me in and of itself a good reason to create a good employee experience. But I love how you're taking this further and saying it'll have a direct impact on customer success and growth. We are focused on employee programs that, you know, maybe would have some correlation there. Do you work closely with HR and maybe benefits folks and who else to help bridge that gap in your current role? In my current role, I don't get a lot of exposure to HR leaders, but in my prior companies and roles, I did. I had direct access to the CHRO and to their then direct reports and the programs that we were supporting through our technology, really allowed us to be able to guide the customer around how to optimize the solution to get the results that they were hoping to get, which resulted in employee you know, engagement, retention, employee referenceability, and ultimately productivity gains. So it's really fun to work with HR to establish those metrics and then to put our technology in place to support that and then actually see the return and the attribution of what we were helping the customer with actually provide significant outcomes for the employees. Talk more about that return on investment when you're connecting the employee experience to customer satisfaction. What are some good measures? I know you mentioned retention. How are you doing that? What does that look like? We could chat for hours actually just on this particular topic. But if you think about the customer experience, there's two kinds of measurement that should be done. One is internal measures of success, and the other is external. The internal measures of success revolve around gross revenue retention, net revenue retention, advocacy, referrals, and PS, 
and customer satisfaction, right? And measuring those things are really important to see what are the leading and lagging indicators of the work that you're doing on having the impact on the customer. But more than that, and this is the hardest part, is measuring it from the customer perspective. So what is the actual customer value? And these are measures that should be paid attention to. And it really comes down to defining the goals and the success criteria with the customer at the beginning of the relationship, and then tracking that jointly with the customer. So you can always point back to the specific customer value that they're getting. And that's the part that I believe has been the most challenging and gets dropped the most as companies are looking across their customer experience, because it's a lot easier to just measure revenue growth and referrals than it is to measure specific customer outcomes. So that's on the customer side. The internal side, measuring employee engagement and retention numbers, overall onboarding experience or satisfaction with onboarding. And then here's the really interesting part. Take all of those measures and start to correlate those. So now you've got internal customer measures of success, external customer measures of success, and employee measures of success. When you start to look at the relationships across those measures over time, you can start to see what has the most impact on each of those drivers. And that helps you start to focus your organization on a better customer and employee experience. So as customer value trends up, we would expect employee satisfaction, engagement also to trend up. Is that what you're saying? That would be ideal. But it depends on what's driving the customer success and the employee success in measuring that and determining if there is a relationship. And then making sure you're targeting your resources and investments on those things that are most important. Have you seen any change in this sort of methodology since this idea of working from home? I think I think it's very interesting that this employee experience is now happening within my house. I'm sure you have a similar experience, but so the employee experience is happening within my own home and not just going to an office. And I'm wondering, have you seen any difference in how this should be measured while people are working from home or remotely? It's so interesting because I do feel like software as a service was the beginning of allowing people more flexibility and where they worked because you didn't have to go on site and code something at the customer or you didn't have to go on site necessarily and whiteboard, but you could do these things remotely. So I think that was the beginning. I think with COVID sort of figured out how to rely on the tools that have been advanced, like Zoom, Teams, Slack, where you can do whiteboarding and you can do uh, breakout calls, which it's been kind of fun to see those technologies advance over time. But I think people have just figured out how to be more resilient and optimize the technology to be able to continue to be successful. I think the measures ultimately are the same. What drives engagement for employees, I think, is still the same. The one thing I forgot earlier is work-life balance. I think everyone has been seeking that in terms of satisfaction. It's just become more prevalent over the last few years as like a key measure and a key focus. So I don't think so much has changed as much as people just shifting and optimizing the, the way that they work. 
I was going to also ask if there are any uh, programs. I know you mentioned work-life balance, but what are those programs or key components of employee experience that tend to have the most pull? We've heard of companies, we're going to offer a maternity and paternity leave. We're going to offer unlimited PTO. Are there any specific programs that have a direct impact or better culture, leaders being more transparent that you've noticed that would have more of an impact on the employee experience? Actually, it's so interesting that you asked that because now you've got me thinking back. We did measure that at Glenn in terms of the changes pre-COVID and, and post-COVID when people were working from home and companies got a lot more structured around more frequent feedback gathering because people weren't in the office. The pulse of the company was harder to assess from a leadership level. And what we saw is that managers and leaders were actually taking more time to do one-on-ones and more time to interact directly with their employees, which we saw a spike in employee happiness and satisfaction with their direct managers, as well as with the company and the intent to stay with the company in terms of length of time also went up. Do you have any ideas, any guesses why that is? I think it was the opportunity to be seen, get feedback from the manager more often, align on the goals. So they felt like they knew where they needed to contribute better. They felt more visible. And so all of those things combined really led to an increased feeling of engagement. And it was interesting because it wasn't investing more money and giving employees things, it was time, manager time, which didn't cost the company anymore and actually created a better relationship between the employee and the manager and also created those feelings of importance in the employee. Wow, that's so interesting. I would have guessed like free lunch every day, <laughs> living a paid time off. You know, those things would have an impact. It's very interesting to hear that one-on-one time with managers has been a big draw, though. You do hear a lot that people want to be recognized by their managers and, and get more feedback. And so that that's a very interesting correlation there. Let's take your current company out of it, uh, Involved.ai. Can you give me an example of companies that are doing this really well? Or do you know of any who say they have a great employee experience and that's clearly having an impact on their customer satisfaction and sales? I can think of one in particular that's a retailer who did target and actually fed us the customer satisfaction information on top of we were already capturing the employee engagement and drivers. We were able to do linkages between each of the engagement drivers to customer satisfaction. It was really interesting because for this particular company, it was feelings of empowerment, understanding the mission, being feeling like they understood the mission of the company, access to leadership, and direct manager satisfaction. Those are really the four kind of key ingredients that were driving the highest correlation and relationship to customer satisfaction. And then they they could narrow that down by store. So across the globe, essentially, and be able to target best practices then and recognize individuals that were driving the most productivity and results for the company. Do you have any good must do this to get a good result and and stop doing this kind of advice or, or best practices for our listeners who, who might hear this and go, well, maybe this is something we should be tracking internally as well? I think a few things. Transparency and frequent communication is really linked strongly to employee engagement and customer experience for that matter. (laughs) I'll translate it there as well. But 
that I would say is a must do. I think giving recognition on a schedule is far less meaningful and impactful than giving recognition genuinely and sort of real time. So I think for leaders to keep in mind, everyone likes to be recognized in a different way and really understanding what your employees like. Some like public recognition, some prefer private, some want an email from the manager's manager's manager. Some would never even want to be seen by that person. And so part of it is, I think, making sure you understand what is important to your team and then trying to differentiate your leadership based on that. So I would say definitely start doing that and stop doing recognition in the same way for everybody like on a schedule. Pulling your team together to ask for input. I think one of the most powerful things that I saw, one of our customers, the CEO would stand up at his leadership meeting and he would say, if you have not been into your employee voice dashboard, yet you need to basically leave the meeting because they were getting feedback quarterly. But he would share all the results transparently with the leadership team and then with the company. And he would say, here's what we're doing about it on a company level. And all of his leaders would share what they're doing on a functional level and so on down the chain. And they did it every quarter. And the, the participation in the survey process increased from 74% to 95% quarter over quarter. So people felt that they had the opportunity to give feedback. They were heard. Feedback was actually being leveraged and they knew how. And so that increased the participation and also the engagement scores. So you would do a quarterly engagement to start to measure for some of that. Definitely. Can you talk at all about what Involved.ai is doing to keep customers and employees happy and they're creating a good positive experience for both? We are really big on listening. For our employees, we actually have a company meeting for a half hour on Monday and on Friday. Every week? Uh, Every week. We share top priorities and OKRs for the week, progress. We ask about weekends um, in one word. How are you feeling this week? We have that opportunity right now, the size that we are getting bigger, that will break out and managers can do that with their teams. But having those meetings and keeping people engaged to know what's happening in the company, to be able to give input, really important. We have a customer advisory council and we have our CSMs meet weekly with our customers. We actually ask for feedback every week uh, on what's working well, what's not. We do quarterly ROI assessments. So we actually do an ROI analysis and review for the exec sponsor and the project team in our customers. So we can make sure we stay aligned on the value proposition and then any changes that we need to make. So those are some of the key things that seem to be working really well for us and keeping a pulse on what's happening and keeping both employees and customers engaged. Let me ask you, do you do anything like a real-time feedback? Let's say you work at an Acme company. It's going to change a big policy. Is there a way you get feedback from your employees to see how they feel about it and how they're going to react to it? Or do you wait for that quarterly survey? A lot of our customers, going back to Glint, focused on employee engagement experience, actually asked about very specific company changes. So they would send what we called an ad hoc pulse to 
employees, you have to be careful because you don't want to over-serve it. And you have to make it really brief and meaningful. But for those kinds of things that were ad hoc, where they really wanted the employee input, it would be outside of that quarterly program and very impactful. And actually with COVID, that was an opportunity. For a while, some of our customers did weekly assessments and it was just five questions. How are you doing? What do you need? Do you feel like the company is supporting you? And then I think there were a couple of questions about the manager. That is helpful for a while. You wouldn't want to necessarily keep up a cadence like that ongoing. But in the short term to pivot and be able to really listen, especially during times of big change, is very important. Let's move into our last segment called Asking for a Friend. I'm just asking for a friend. Hey, asking for a friend. Let's say we have a leader in front of us who doesn't really believe in the correlation between a good employee experience and a fantastic customer satisfaction experience. What would you say to them to convince them that this is really important and to be focused on creating a better employee experience because it directly impacts your customers? I would probably ask them for a time where they had a really poor experience with a company and ask them specifically, what was it about that experience that was so poor? And then on the flip side, ask about a time where you had just a phenomenal experience, you told your friends about it, and what made that such a great experience. And it's really interesting because in most cases, what you would probably hear is it had something to do with the employee that they interacted with. And a lot of times when you have poor experience with an employee, it's because they're not empowered to meet your needs, depending on the situation. Whereas a positive experience, when it comes down to it, the employee was empowered or went above and beyond to meet the needs. And that's where then I think you, you could make the shift of if you kept your employees happy and they were empowered, you, your customers would be able to get what they need in a more dynamic and real-time way than to be sent to a manager or just flat out be told no about something because of a policy. So I, I think that's where I would start. If I were to spin this up at, at a company I worked at, who would ideally own this process? Today, they definitely are, are separate. The employee experience is owned by HR. The customer experience is, is either owned by the chief customer officer or potentially rolls up to the, the CRO or even the COO, right, in operations. My ideal <laughs> is that there's so much awesome data. And when you look at the data science behind being able to look at patterns and what drives both employee and customer satisfaction, really <laughs> at the CEO level is where this should sit. But practicality, having a COO or similar own both is a phenomenal way to bridge the gap between the functional focus and the overall organizational focus. I feel like I hear that with a few different topics. When I say who should own this, if it's something that comes up, we hear that a lot with the DEI programs, right? The CEO needs to be really focused on this. And this does seem like a similar topic because that person would then direct and say, we need to get these more aligned. It comes down to the things that are cross-functional where there needs to be alignment to really move the organization forward. 
but the realization is to move the organization forward. It's the employees and the customers that are the, that are the ones that will do that. So if the focus is at a broad company level for both, you'll start to see amazing results just for the entire company as a whole. What do you think the biggest challenge is for really beginning this journey of focusing on employee experience and the customer success? I think in my experience, if you don't start with the end in mind, so to speak, and define the ideal customer journey, or if you're talking about employees, the ideal employee experience, but let's stick with customers. If you define that ideal customer journey, it's then that you can define what are the roles, skills, responsibilities, you know, metrics, deliverables, all of that go along with the journey. And I find a lot of times that companies jump in in a siloed way. Sales is doing their thing and then post-sale does their thing. And what happens is you end up having to backtrack a lot or put band-aids on things that you didn't think about before. But if you think about the holistic journey up front, you're able to think about the people, processes, and systems as you go in order to scale. That would be my recommendation is definitely start by defining that ideal journey. And then you can start to plug in what your team should look like, what your structure should look like, resources, handoffs, all of those things. And before long, you'll have this amazing customer experience in place. Wow. Oh. That's fantastic. This has been a lot of fun. Before I let you go, is there anything we didn't cover today that you would like our listeners to know? I would just say, don't be happy with the status quo. <laughs> there is no, I think, final destination when it comes to customer experience or satisfaction or employee experience or satisfaction. So keep trying new things, keep innovating, keep you know working on differentiation, and don't be afraid to take some risks to make change. And this is such a good time to do it when a whole lot of stuff has just been changing. A lot of executives are looking for new, better ways to do things. This is a really great time to start that. Well, thank you, Mary. Let our listeners know where they can find you. You can find me on LinkedIn uh, under Mary Poppen, P-O-P-P-E-N. Or you could also email me at mary at involved.ai. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mary. Thanks, Amanda. Great to chat. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Cohesion Podcast, brought to you by Simpler, the modern internet software that simplifies the employee experience. Learn more about how Simpler can help you build the future of your employee experience at simpler.com. That's S-I-N-P-P-L-R.com. To all of our listeners out there, thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, make sure to hit subscribe, leave a review, and head over to www.simpler.com slash podcast for more information. Until next time, you're listening to the Cohesion Podcast, brought to you by Simpler. See you in the next episode.